0: WDBM, East Lansing.
1: Welcome to the Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou
0: and Daniel Puentes.
1: A mast cell is like a white blood cell. It is made in bone marrow and matures in tissues. It is important with the immune system. Usually people hear of mast cells in relation to allergies. But Lexi Singstock studies mast cells with a different focus. Thanks for being on the Sci-Files, Lexi. May you please tell us about yourself and your research?
2: Yeah, my name is Lexi Singstock. I am a junior at Michigan State undergraduate student, and I work with the Robertson Lab on campus. Well, socially distancing now because of COVID. And we primarily focus on animal science and neuroscience, specifically regarding things such as the hippocampus. Our kind of overall goals is to figure out how specifically the hippocampus works in things like anxiety, depression, mood disorders, things like that, to hopefully help people in the future and humans in the future in regards to those kinds of things.
0: Thanks for joining us today, Lexi. Could you talk a little bit about what the hippocampus is and where it's located in the brain and how is it related to anxiety and depression?
2: The hippocampus is a little tiny part really deep in the brain. And besides its size being so small, it actually plays a huge role, especially in memory formation, associative learning, and emotions such as anxiety and depression. So when it comes to my research in the hippocampus, our lab is pretty multidimensional in our researches. However, in order to simplify it and not get too crazy with everything, we focus on the hippocampus especially with those emotions it's kind of a good starting point and then further research can explore on that beyond the hippocampus
1: whenever you're studying the hippocampus are you
2: doing this with an animal model or are you studying this with humans we use mice just typical lab mice And we look at the hippocampus at a neurological level in the sense of like their mast cells and how it interacts with changes within those mast cells within the hippocampus and how that will affect behavior, specifically anxiety and depression. So mast cells are basically immune cells. They're distributed throughout the body. However, they do have a concentration in the brain, such as the hippocampus, which is what I focus on. And they are playing a key role in the blood-brain barrier and interacting with neurons and glial cells within the hippocampus and other parts of the brain. They respond with a variety of stimuli, and they basically have an effect on behavior because of those reasons.
0: It's pretty cool that scientists like yourself are figuring out how our bodies work, like how mast cells are regulated. How do you study mast cells in the laboratory?
2: In order to isolate mast cells, you can't really look at them when the mice are living. You can only really see the behavioral aspects. So post-mortem, in more of a histology setting, we're going to be cutting up the brains, specifically looking at the hippocampus part of the brain, and staining them, taking pictures of them, and kind of seeing what we can find after these behaviors have happened within the mice or these scenarios.
1: That makes sense to me, especially because the hippocampus is so small and mice are so small. So a little bit of a summary is that you're studying the hippocampus specifically to see how mast cells may be regulating anxiety and depression. And you have a colony of mice where you conduct these studies on their brain where you're staining the brain for these mast cells. Now you also said that you're looking at behavioral aspects and you're also putting different proteins on these histology sections. What behavioral aspects are you looking at? Like are you
2: doing behavioral studies?
1: And also what proteins are you focusing on and why?
2: When it comes to the behavioral aspects, we already know quite a bit about mast cells in general, but we don't know a lot of interactions, especially with the emotional side of things, such as how mice react to depressive scenarios and how mice react to anxiety-inducing scenarios. So with that, we kind of have to integrate the behavioral side of things. Luckily, my postdoc does a lot of animal behavior experiments, so I can take that data that she's created and studied And I can put that towards the histology side of the laboratory. And then in regards to your second question with proteins, those are really just to kind of see or highlight what we're trying to look for in regards to what we're trying to see on the cell. For example, we'll use CFOS to essentially highlight mass cells and see how many are in mice A, who is in scenario one, versus mice B who was in scenario two. CFOS is basically a marker for neuronal activity. So it's going to basically, for example, if we have CFOS as the color green and we put it onto a slide, when these mast cells degranulate, we can see that it is green. So that means that they're there. It's kind of to help us see what we're trying to look for in the histology lab.
0: I should comment that CFOS is not the same as that chemical compound known as PFOS, which we've had in a previous episode about a month ago. Lexi, could you talk about what you mean by depressive or anxiety-inducing behaviors? What exactly does that mean?
2: So we did two tests for these mice. We used a maze, which had part of it covered and part of it uncovered, and how the mice reacted in that maze would indicate if they were more anxious or more outgoing. So when it came to sucrose preference, this is basically an experiment where one water bowl would be just normal water and then another one would have sucrose in it. And this would kind of be a motivator depressive indicator because almost every mice is going to want that sugar water. And if a mice is more depressed or less motivated, they would not have a preference. So we can tell that the mice are anxious in the maze scenario a more outgoing, confident mice is going to want to explore, and a more anxious mice is going to want to hide in those covered areas in the maze.
1: Wow, these are things that I normally never think about. It really shows how intelligent mice are. I'm aware that other students have researched mice in regards with other emotions, and you had said that the hippocampus can regulate many different things. Are there any other emotions that your studies are focusing on?
2: Well, due to coronavirus and just the amount of mice that we were having available after the labs essentially closed, we could only focus on motivation and anxiety, at least for my research. So on the behavioral side with motivation, we show that by how willing these mice are to keep themselves alive better, in a sense. So for example, in the sucrose experiment, if they are going more towards the water, like keeping themselves alive, staying hydrated, but if they want the sucrose, that's an indicator of increased motivation because you're also adding that extra sucrose, that extra nutrients. And depression and motivation are very fluid emotions, so they're very interchangeable. When studying motivation, you can make an argument for depression and vice versa.
1: Wow, that's a lot of behavioral experiments that you have. I'm really happy that some of these experiments can be used to give more information about something else. Previously, you had mentioned that you gather the brains of these mice and after you do histology experiments with them. However, I know there are other experiments that people do with the tissue whenever they're analyzing mast cells. For example, some people are even able to isolate these mast cells. Have you tried this? And if you have, what have you done with it?
2: Yeah, we actually do reconstitute mast cells back into the mice. We do this through injecting red bone marrow, which is how some mast cells are formed. And this would either be intracranially or interperitoneally. This means either back into the brain or back into the gut.
0: That sounds like it's a pretty delicate procedure that you have to perform to be able to extract that red bone marrow and then be able to inject it back into the brain. What kinds of information do you hope to gather once these injections have been performed?
2: So we are hoping to reverse the effects of genotype on behavior. For example, in an anxious mouse, we hope to have these mast cell injections into the brain, and we can hopefully reverse those indicators of anxiety that are on the mouse or in the mouse. We need to have the behavior to kind of see what we're looking at, We can't just look at a bunch of brains and not know what they were doing, like if they were anxious or not. And because of that behavioral data beforehand, we can then go to like the immunohistochemistry side of it and see what's going on. I'm
1: kind of picturing this like a loop. So let's say mouse A has anxiety and you use mast cells for mouse A, and then you put those mast cells into mouse B. Do you automatically expect mouse B to have anxiety because mouse A already had the anxiety?
2: From my understanding, we take it from just the wild type mice when it comes to the anxious behavior or the baseline behavior. Like there's some controls and some bone marrow is from the anxiety mice. And we do expect to have the mice who were injected with the bone marrow to have more anxiety than normal. And the data is a little bit funky on it, just from the amount of mice that we had available.
0: A lot of people this year have been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic that has impacted laboratories all across the world. How has your research experience changed from before the COVID-19 pandemic to now where you're doing research?
2: Before, we were able to obviously go into the laboratory itself work with the mice brains when it comes to prepping, slicing, uh, mounting them onto the slides, and actually staining them and seeing them on our huge microscopes that we have in the lab. It was super cool and we were able to really go in depth. However, that's definitely been limited when it comes to being remote. Obviously, the people who have this as their full-time job and aren't undergraduate students like me, they're able to go in. Obviously, we need to keep the mice alive. So that's definitely something to consider. However, when it comes to my portion, I definitely do more remote kind of grunt work. This will be analyzing pictures on software like Fiji, where I do cell counts and then put them into Excel sheets and get the data over to the people above me, such as my postdoc, my PI, things like that.
1: Well, I'm happy to hear that you're able to still do stuff remotely and support the project. Yes, anything helps. Well, Lexi, we're about to wrap up this interview, but before we go, I was wondering you had said that you were a junior, so you're going to be graduating soon. Do you know what you want to do after you graduate?
2: I am planning on going to medical school. I'm a part of the American Medical Student Association. I do a lot of volunteering with that. I really do like my research, how it's neuroscience based, like neuroscience and neurology to really understand what I'm going through now. So that's been really helpful. And I also just think it's really cool to help the scientific community and really make an impact beyond just diagnosing and treating people or taking blood pressure at an MA job that I have. Once I graduate, I will be taking a gap year and I hope to continue doing research during that time. In the meantime, I'm also doing the remote research and hopefully sooner rather than later going back to in-person and really impacting the scientific community beyond just diagnosing and treating patients potentially even figuring out new methods and treatments for people who do have anxiety and mood disorders.
0: It's great to hear that you're still able to be involved with an organization, even with the pandemic happening right now. Good luck with applying for medical school, and thank you so much for joining us today to talk to us about your research.
2: Thank you guys for having me.
0: The Sci-Files is hosted by Chelsea Voodoo and Damien Puentes on Impact 89FM. Thank you to our news director, Taylor Halterman, program director, Amber Konutsky, station manager, Joe Dandrin, and general manager, Jeremy Whiting.
1: The SciFiles can be found online on scifiles.org and on your favorite podcast directory. If you're an MSU student and want to be featured on SciFiles, or if you have any questions, you can contact us at scifiles at impact 9 fmorg
0: Thanks for listening, and remember the truth is in the science.